0: Hey guys, I'm Jay. And I'm A. And you're listening to...
1: Recipe and ID. Hi everyone, welcome to Recipe and ID. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys are going to enjoy this. Um, I'm A., and this is my husband. I'm Jay. For those of you that didn't get a chance to listen to our preview. Preview? Yeah, yeah pre-
0: I would call it a preview. We're gonna call it a preview.
1: All right, cool. Those that didn't get a chance to listen to our preview, this is a podcast about food and crime. I'm A, and I'm going to be talking about food, while my husband,
0: Jay, is going to be talking about true crime.
1: And uh, just so you guys know, this is our first episode, so we thought it would be kind of cool to talk about firsts. So... I'm going to touch on The first food chain in the United States And my husband's going to talk about I don't know A bunch of firsts Oh, okay, he's going to talk about a bunch of firsts This should be fun All yeah. right. So, um, for those of you that haven't had a chance yet Follow us on Stitcher, uh, iTunes um, Put those likes and comments They really do help us out a lot You so, can't comment
0: on iTunes and Stitcher
1: You can't comment You can
0: review you can review. review us five stars
1: Give us eight stars. No shade. I don't care. Give me as much shade as you want. I don't care. All right. So, um, in this episode, um, it's our first, so I thought it'd be wonderful to talk about the first um and the hurdles uh, I want to jump was what is the first fast food, right? And um there are a couple different opinions on this. Um the major one being that everyone says White Castle, right? Everyone said it for years. White Castle is the first franchise. I actually didn't know. Ooh, that's fun. He didn't know. Had had you asked me what the first
0: franchise was, I would have said McDonald's. Well, because I think it's maybe the most famous or widely known. Probably.
1: I mean, I would say that's true too. But I did not know White Castle. I am going to put a stipulation on this though. You can't use the word franchise. That's what's so funny about this entire thing. White Castle is not a franchise we'll get into that a little bit but it's not no it's not not a franchise oh. very cool right so i i don't honestly know what the first franchise was i didn't go that far into that boat yet cuz i I want to touch that one in a little bit when we get into it. But for those that don't know what a franchise is, a franchise is a corporation that then sells their listing of a housing. of a housing. So Panera, McDonald's, Burger King, those are all very well-known franchises. They sell their franchise to a singular individual, and then that person owns that franchise and then runs it based on how the corporation wants you to run it, right? Well, for these two that we're going to talk about, White Castle and A&W Root Beer Company, neither one of them are technically franchises they're both fast food chains but they're not franchises because technically both all well i should say white castle still corporately owns every business they're still privately run but they're corporately owned so they're not technically a franchise so we'll get into that though but there that's one of the that's one of the major opinions about it so there's a huge opinion about this whole thing when you're talking about chains are you talking about franchises are you talking about they had to start with food are you saying that no they didn't start with food that's fine they can they can be whatever so we'll get into it so i'm going to give you guys um uh i do want to preface this by saying that i was able to do a lot of research but a lot of my research was uh food chains was was directed towards the united states so if we have any international listeners or people that are listening to this and you want to give some opinions on some fast foods that you guys have kind of touched on or that you know about that's international please feel free to reach out to us Um, our email is recipe and that's a-n-d ID at gmail.com. And we will be happy to listen to you guys and your opinions and all your guys' conversations. And we may even have some more, uh, I might steal some of your guys' ideas to do some future episodes. Um, but like I said maybe, all of my... maybe
0: not steal the ideas Maybe take their suggestions
1: I'm going to steal their ideas I'm okay. going to steal them I'm going to rob them And not give you guys credit
0: Alright well in true crime We'll be covering A's stealing right. of your ideas That's Just fun. kidding It's
1: like a back and forth This is fun This is, fun. This is banter We enjoy it Alright sorry uh, Recipe and ID Feel free to email us And give me some more basic On that one So um, ultimately It's going to leave it up to you guys On which one you guys Believe the first is But I'm going to touch on the two Alright uh, I'm going to give you some dates. All right, White Castle was established in 1921 while, uh, and although there's evidence that they were previously at 1916, and we'll get into that whole concept, White Castle has said that they started in 1921. It's advertised everywhere. 1921 is when the true starting of White Castle happened. Uh, while A&W Root Beer Company, or just A&W at this point, uh, was established in 1919, right? So right there you're saying, hey, 1919 1921 obviously A&W beats out White Castle they have to be the first food chain and you would be right for a lot of historians a lot of historians are saying absolutely A&W beats out White Castle all the time White Castle and a lot of people that did lean outside is like A&W is a root beer stand they were not selling food they're not a food chain they were not a fast food restaurant they were literally just selling A&W root beer out of these root beer stands on the side of the road that being said I'm not going to split hairs on it. I'm going to say, hey, you got two, A&W and White Castle. Um, I'm more leaning towards A&W just because they're 1919, and I think it's kind of fun. Uh, so right there, I think, I think A&W. Well, uh, and just to be alphabetical, we're going to start with A&W. I'm going to give you some history on it and give you some some one little fun little facts. All right, so uh, A&W was not a standing restaurant at the time when it was first established. It was actually a root beer company, and it got started by... Um, it got started by a man named... Oh, where's my notes? I, I, like, flipped. Dang it. What just happened? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Roy Allen. I wanted to say Allen for some reason. Roy Allen. He started it in 1919. And what he started was he bought a recipe for root beer from a pharmacist, which is super weird to think about because <laughs> Jay's making a face right now.
0: Why did a pharmacist have a root beer recipe? So...
1: For those of you that don't know, root beer was commonly used from the 19, from the 1860s to the early 1900s as medicinal purposes. It was actually like a, a um, like medicine. You took it commonly for killing parasites, uh, treating syphilis, you know, for those people that had syphilis, uh, cold, measles, reducing fever, and controlling diarrhea. It's very, very well established that the sassafras root. Sarsaparilla, mm-hmm. Sarsapara- Saspera. sassafras, sassafras root, um, is a inflammatory. So really common to be used back then.
0: Inflammatory or anti-inflammatory?
1: It. So it's an inflammatory. Okay. So it, what would happen was it would cause uh, swelling. So it would stop okay. you from. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from okay, checks out. <laughs> from the from the stuff coming out, right? Gotcha. Yeah. So, we'll get into that little history on that in a little bit further when we talk mm-hmm. about recipes and what was in root beer, because we're, we're going to talk about the recipe root beer, right? Obviously, I have to touch on the recipe. Crazy. Recipe. Um, so, let's start with a and um, I'm not going to lie. I'm more inclined that a was the first food chain, uh, but I'll let you people have your own opinions. And so, a was established on June 20th, 1919 by Roy Allen. He opened it as a root beer stand uh, in Lottie, California. Um, Roy had purchased the root beer recipe, as I said, from a pharmacist uh, and began selling them on hot summer days. It The 1922... Allen partnered with Frank Wright, um, but one of the common um, reasons that uh, Wright got involved in the franchise itself was because Allen was selling to incoming war veterans from World War One, and they wanted—they were just getting off their boats. They wanted something cold to drink, and they would get a root beer right on the side of the road, right? So, uh, in 1922, Allen partnered with Frank Wright, and the two combined their initials to create A and W. Allen and Frank Wright ah, uh, it's a it common is. misconception that A&W's logo is actually from Alice and Willard Marriott uh, for those that don't know Marriott Marriott hotels are really really common they were started by Allen and Willard Marriott um, because their very first business that they ever did was an a and root beer franchise the Marriott, it, Marriott like Marriott Marriott family, yeah got started from A&W, A&W. that's so funny it's such yeah. an interesting thing right so uh, but honestly um, It's not true. Uh, They were well established as A&W before Alice and Willard Marriott got involved in it. So common misconception, but not actually true. All right. Um, Then uh, the A&W, they they came out with a franchise A&W, right? So not A&W Root Beer Company, not A&W organizations, just A&W, right? Uh, It's... It's commonly understood that the establishment of the a aligned perfectly with the end of World War One uh, and the growing popularity of fast food. Um, so for those of you that don't know, prior to this, there was no fast food. Fast food was not a thing. And we're going to touch really heavily on this when we get into White Castle and kind of the issues that came up with trying to start a fast food franchise without having any prior before. Um, prior to this, they had these things called automates. And I want to use, or I'm sorry, automats like laundromats. Uh, and I want to use that for a future episode because it's really, truly where fast food came from. Automats were a um, vending machine-style cafeteria. So, like, they'd fill up these cafeterias, you'd go and you'd pay some change and you'd get food. Um, they're really, really common even today. They still use them. Uh, for those that have ever worked in, like, um big manufacturing facilities I work in a manufacturing facility and we use uh, we use an what's called an avenue it's essentially a fran- it's a vending machine based cafeteria which is really really common for small businesses that can't support a full cafeteria it has like these smaller ones that you can use for your processes right well using that as a standing point for franchising out or for, i guess for not franchising for building a model W use that same concept to build their models for their growing businesses they wanted fast convenient food to get to people as quickly as possible get money out of your pocket get money into the drawer as quickly as possible right so it's like i said it's commonly understood that the established when uh, the NW franchise is very very heavily reliant on world war one and these returning veterans they didn't want to spend a lot of time um yeah, it, it just kind of go coincides, and it, you have to realize also during this time, men were off at war, moms were home, women were home, all these young men are coming back from the war, they ha- don't have wives yet, they don't want to spend their time with their wife at home, they want to spend time with their family, and obviously their family means their wife, right? so there was a really big culture change between the like 1920s mom and the 1930s and 40s mom, where it's not just mom sitting in the kitchen making food all day. It's mom being part of the family, right? Gotcha. It was a very like established motif. Okay. Um, so that's kind of what Allen and Wright kind of built on. So in 1924, Allen bought Wright's shares, right? So he obtained the trademark for AW at that point, uh, and they had had 11 businesses running in California through to Nevada. They hadn't quite hit Las Vegas yet, but they were pretty pretty close, right? Um, in 1925 to 1933 That's when the big boom happened Like I talked about Between the 1920s mom And the 1930s mom um, The big selling point For A&W was uh, It was like Get mom out of the kitchen Right Get time to have your own thing Because mom Could do other things If she wasn't making dinner She could be at home Doing other stuff Right So they would come And hang out You have to also realize That during the what? So if
0: she wasn't in the kitchen cooking, she could be in the living room
1: vacuuming. Yeah, and uh, doing dishes and sewing pants and birthing out and popping those babies out. Wow, right? that was the that was the big thing, right? That's something. So between 1925 and 1933, they had 170 established restaurants. Right. So Allen really had this humongous boom. They went from 11 to 170. Right. In how much of a time frame? Uh, between 1925 to 1933. Wow. Right? That's a huge boom, right? Um, although it's common for them to be called AW, obviously uh, they sold their trademark root beer and their trademark root beer recipe. Many of these establishments started to include food, though there was not a standardized food menu. Because, like I said before, fast foods didn't exist at this point. There was no true, like, motif for fast food you have to think about like any family restaurant right they you you choose whatever the cook can cook that's kind of what what goes with it um so a lot of times that was kind of what the basis of the a.w root beer kind of started with um in 1930s 1940s there was a slight lull in operations primarily because of world war ii Mm. um and this was just a slight i say it slightly because they they didn't have the big boom from 11 to 170 they only had about 100 stores that showed up so they went to about 270 The number is kind of off when they talk about that one, but um, this is when they established the franchise really took root and standardizing the menu and food motifs. So at that point, like, A&W's could be in an outlet mall. They could be a small business of itself standing. They didn't really have a motif, like... What the furniture was What the coloring was They really didn't have Like an established style Yeah That this is really When it happened Was between the 1930s and 40s Is when they really said No you need to have This tile booth You need to have this type of You're selling these types of foods You're having these kind of things there Um The root beer float Was established at this point Although it was really common To have ice cream on site With your your root beer It wasn't common To put the two together The root beer float Got established in 1931 At A&W Though There are different Conflicting Um arguments on whether or not A and W started the Root Beer Float or if it was just they started Earth using it and their thing. Uh, in the nineteen forties and nineteen fifties, the fifty the, this is the, the franchise growth. This is like that humongous growth that they went gigantic with. Uh and they their trans their, their stands tripled um driven by the popularity of automobiles. So think about it this way. Do you remember the whole like drive in movie and drive up restaurant stands? Right. A and W niche market marketed that. They like took it to trifled. And we've all seen them now. If you have not been to an A and W drive in or you haven't been to a Sonic, like they're very common. It's the rollerblader like the roller skating girls that come out with your tray and stick it to the side of your car. Yeah. Super, super common. Um they tripled the amount of franchises they had between the nineteen forties and the nineteen fifties. So they went from that two hundred number to about six hundred. Um that's a humongous number, right? Yeah. They went from 170 stores to the 450 so, like, a, a crazy, crazy amount of growth, right? Uh, in the 1950s, Alan, the leader, had retired, and he sold the business to a Nebraskan, to ne- Nebraskan Gene Hertz. Uh, he's the one that formed the a and Root Beer Company, and thank you, Alan, for doing all you did. But Gene really did make a and a family name. Okay. Okay. Um, primarily because they started the um, the process of distribution of the root beer. So that's oh, okay. where you are seeing A&W root beer in grocery stores, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so their bottled root beer was in grocery stores and grocery shelves. As well as competing fast food franchises. So what people don't realize and don't even make that connection is that by having A and W on tap at another restaurant, you're supporting another franchise that is A and W. And I never would have like even made that click in my head because you're like, okay, yeah, that, doesn't that make makes a lot sense. of sense. Yeah, because I think in my head I always just assumed that Root Beer started as Root Beer, like that they weren't a franchise. Yeah, I was food gonna say franchise. I always
0: associated A and W with. Just root beer, beer. like I've seen the A and W restaurants, the A and W stands, but I've always associated them. They started after the root beer, beer,
1: after the root beer distribution, right? I thought, I thought for sure, I was like, no, there's no way they had to have come out with root beer distribution to people way before they made their restaurants. But no, absolutely, their root beer restaurant, like the actual like restaurants, started first, right? Which is super weird to think about. It is. uh, so but the franchise the actual root beer uh, that came out was like in the 1971 ish time frame. Um, I will note that there's a number here that I want you guys to remember 1956 is the first franchise left the United States and it was A&W root beer. So The first franchise what? Left the United States. So a U.S.-based franchise established oh, itself okay. outside of so the country. So outside of the United yeah, States. Yeah, it started in Canada, and it was A&W. They were, oh. the, they were one of the first ones. There is an argument that McDonald's had it first at 1942. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's not true. So there's another number out there, but we'll talk about that when we get to McDonald's. McDonald's is its own. That might be a multi-partner episode. It's that. <laughs> That's
0: a big subject.
1: It's a big, big ship that we're going to have to discuss. But 1971 is the big one. That's where, where A&W became like a, a family name. It really became its... It got its footing, and what you're what you're talking about, right? So, um, but di- it didn't include um, the cream soda or the diet sodas yet at this point, and the sugar free root beers; those weren't included until like the 1980s when sugar free and those became right. popular. So. I want to quote something from their site because i really did love it um the so it said founded in 1919 a century later we have more than 625 restaurants from coast to coast including a couple in alaska we make our root beer fresh in stores daily and we still deeply connect with the small town communities and have supported that have supported us all these years and i can't say to stress this enough jay knows this as well the a&w uh similar to what you would see like with the culvers they're very locally branded and they're very locally supportive um they really do have a really awesome like mentality that they will support local as much as they can. And it's just kind of sweet. So I think that was just a really sweet quote. They do. Um, Now we're going to get kind of into the recipe part for A&W. Um, obviously, the most popular item on their menu is their root beer, uh, specifically the root beer float. And, and as it traces lineage back to the 1919, although their real date of the recipe is not well known, as I said before, Alan purchased the recipe from a pharmacist. So we don't have a lot of information from it. We know that we don't know much about the pharmacist. We don't know much about a lot of that side of it from their point. But we do know that it was 1919 was when the A&W recipe came out. Um, now, there have been some notable changes to the recipe over the years, uh, the major one being the elimination of sassafras, um, as it was banned by the FDA in 1979, uh, as it did cause cancer in lab rats.
0: I was going to say, what made it? Get banned that's something
1: well and doesn't okay. that seem like too recent like nineteen. that's not 1980 i feel like it
0: does not seem that long ago yeah it does
1: not feel like it should be way i don't know but in my head i'm like oh yeah. god um so generally root beer is made from the from flavoring that mimics sassafras and other notable changes was the elimination of high fructose corn syrup um from the canadian recipes um high fructose corn syrup is still present in the united states recipe that they use here um but Shocking. yeah Uh, one of the notable things that's kind of interesting (laughs) to talk about is sarsaparilla so for those that don't know what sarsaparilla is it was really 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 common that sarsaparilla is root beer it's where it gets its basis from if you ever watch an an old western movie they use sarsaparilla and everything
0: Uh, right, a mug of sarsaparilla. Um,
1: but honestly, yeah, sarsaparilla is the is one of the is one of the leading ones. The recipe is obviously not out on the market. No one's going to get it. They're not going to give you the recipe for how to make the root beer. But right. uh, it's still very delicious and it's really really good. Um, I, I do think it's really cool that uh, though that the recipe is from 1919. There really has not been substantial changes to its recipe, and they are 100 percent real and true. They do make their root beer fresh in store every day. So. Um, that means they, they have the ingredients on site to make the, the that every time. If it goes through a fountain drink side of, side of it, if it's through like the fountain operations, those are distributed. But if you get a root beer float from the actual cask, which you can ask for, it's the real true A&W recipe from 1919, which is hmm. unbelievably interesting.
0: I always noticed they had the taps on the counters yeah. at the at the, the flagship restaurants. And I thought there was just a bag of flavoring underneath it like <laughs> your typical fountain, yeah, drinks. fountain drinks right it's so interesting so that's super interesting
1: uh i do think it's really cool to point out that a was the first restaurant to include a bacon cheeseburger on their menu right uh Smart. they have been mm. offering the burger since 1963 which feels like also very recent i'm like why wouldn't you have had bacon before this but that's another conversation for when bacon became popular in the united states and we'll talk about that a little bit too uh, I would have never thought that they were the first. Like, seriously, I was like, How? I would never have thought.
0: Yeah.
1: A bacon cheeseburger.
0: I don't know. It it makes sense to me. Now that it, you know the dates, but though, right? it doesn't at the same time. Yeah. Like now that I know mean, the, the fact that a, a, one of the first fast food restaurants didn't come around until the time that it did with the automobiles and all of that, Is, then yes, 1960 does make sense because it's really only like 15, 15 years. years. later, right? <laughs> so but like, it does seem close. Like, it doesn't. Yeah.
1: I don't right? know. It's so interesting.
0: Hmm.
1: like I said in the beginning A&W and White Castle are the two franchises that I kind of want to touch base on I'm starting with A&W just because they're the most prolific that I really do think kind of uh, started the scene that I can give you the history behind it without getting too heavily into the franchise portion of it right. White Castle, it's very heavily into franchises, it's very heavily into the making and starting of a true franchise from nothing and I keep using the word franchise please don't take that seriously i understand that white castle is not a franchise it's a chain um but franchise and chain is really commonly used interchangeably when you're talking about food and food restaurants especially restaurant chains yeah. um so it's really one of those things that i'm i mean obviously we can try um, now there have been some notable differences when you talk about W and its establishment throughout the years one notably was in the 1970s when they established the W Root beer company itself it did take a humongous hit on the market specifically because um, they were splitting their proceeds right so your your budget is now being split between the A&W franchise restaurants and this distribution center that they didn't know how is it going to work where's it going to go okay. uh, that was really in like the 1970s uh, 1971, specifically um it, it's really really common to see a&w root beer in your store now they come in bottles they're really t- pretty tasty question for you because you've had a&w
0: yeah do you like
1: a and i do right i like a&w as well and there are a couple notable like other root beers out there bargs root beer is a really common one um, I can't really think of any others though. I hear Barks, and I can think of A and W, but I'm I'm missing one. I know there's another one. Uh, what is it? Mug. Oh yeah, Mug root beer. The one with the I dog on I it. feel is that like that even made anymore. I don't. I, I don't. See, I haven't, I haven't seen had it. that in a long time. Yeah, I haven't seen it forever. Um.
0: Yeah. I my family always grew up on Barks. We always oh, had Barks okay. root well, beer it Coke? for whatever reason. Coke, I think is Barks. I think so. I, think I don't know. It. I'd have to look. But it. I. I should know that the food person. Should my know. family grew up on Barks, but. See, I am a person, I think I prefer a and I do, too. I definitely prefer A&W's cream soda to just about any other cream soda. I will agree with you on that, 100%. One too. Yeah. And as far as root beer, it just, I, in terms of root beer versus root beer, I think it's apples to oranges. Like, Barks is a different, totally different flavor profile. It tastes completely different. And that's yeah. what I was going to
1: kind of touch base on. I feel like A&W has, like, vanilla. It has, like, a sweeter profile. And, yep. it, and it pairs really well with ice cream. I can't imagine putting ice cream in Barg's root beer. It just doesn't appeal um, to me.
0: It's not sweet. Oh, no, it's, it's not. It's more like salty, right? like, I I don't know if salty is the right description, but it's 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 more flat. It doesn't have like this, the roundness appre- of flavor. No, I can appreciate if that, that. makes no, any no. no sense I completely whatsoever. get it.
1: And for listeners, if you guys want to <laughs> vote in your opinion on which one you like more, I prefer A and W. If if I prefer a and W. I I prefer A&W, I like, prefer I grew up
0: with A&W, A&W in most applications now as an adult. Yeah. Um, as a child, it was typically barbs. Bugs. But there's that. a lot of small, like, indie root beer groups yeah. now. I mean, even in the last 10, 15 well, years. Well, and even that think about this. Out,
1: there's, like, the alcoholic root beer ones now, too. Yes, like, Not Your Not Father's. Your Father's is which pretty... is
0: just gross to me.
1: I, and I think, you know what? We'll tell, we, may have a, we may have a, like, Separate conversation. Maybe even if we decide to do Patreon, do a Patreon on just like alcoholic beverages. But what's so funny, and I've noticed this, is that you either like not your father's or you do not. I think it's the
0: I. I truly believe, and I think I read somewhere. I could be totally making this up, but I think I read somewhere it's the cilantro effect. Oh no! There's certain like it's a certain like chemical makeup that. Some people can And from what I've heard, if you like cilantro, you won't like Not Your Fathers. And if you don't like cilantro, you'll like Not Your Fathers. That's
1: surprising. I mean it's not surprising because you and I because are in the same because I boat. love cilantro. And oh, I hate
0: I, it. Ha- I don't hate Not Your Fathers. I just don't enjoy it. Well
1: you can taste the alcohol. It doesn't taste like root beer. No, it doesn't. See mine, it legit just tastes like root beer to me and I don't
0: and I'm near-alcoholic. I don't usually don't mind the alcohol. <laughs> that's very true. He does love his alcohol. And it, I'm not actually near-alcoholic, not to offend call, We anyone, can say near But alcoholic. I thoroughly enjoy an alcoholic drink. Uh, <laughs> so it's just interesting to me.
1: No, agreed. And I think that's where I was trying to let, gonna leave off. So this is where I want to kind of move into my segment about recipes. I mean, the name of my section is recipes, so I kind of want to get into that. And okay. I kind of want to talk about um, either really awesome copycat recipes, like a really awesome Chick-fil-A sauce recipe that you and I know about that's really good. Or even like <laughs> the actual recipe, if if a restaurant has out there about how they make their fried chicken and th- they have it like literally out there, it'd be a great one to talk about. Yeah. And maybe some nuances to recipes. I really kind of think that'd be a really fun section to move into next. Um, So... um. I would love to have the actual recipe for root beer, but we don't. And although I would love to get into how we make root beer, um, I'm honestly not an expert. I'm not a brew person. I don't brew. I don't homebrew. Um,
0: I drink a lot of it, but I don't do yeah, it. Yeah, it's not really one of our styles. <laughs> and we
1: actually have a really close friend who does homebrewing, and he's been doing it for years. And he's a really he's almost an expert when it comes to homebrewing. Um, so that's probably going to be a later episode where we bring an expert in and talk about beer. I know we talked about that a little bit with Not Your Father. It's so like having an alcoholic conversation.
0: We also have a friend who makes wine
1: and hard cider. Also true. We have a very close friend that makes (laughs) hard cider and wine. Wink, wink. Miss Miss E and Miss N. If you want to come in and talk to us, Mm -hmm. we'd love to. We know that they're probably going to be listeners. It would be a fun episode. It would be a really fun episode. My Um, But yeah, so they're both really good ones and they're good people to have on. So that might be its own episode. Uh, Making root beer is its own science and making beer alone is its own science. It's not really to the home cook, which is where I'm kind of trying to gear our recipes towards. If you want to learn how to make beer, I am more than willing to. You let me know. You send an email out. I will learn as much as I can. I will bring in a brewer. We will have a whole conversation about it. Um, But I'm thinking for this one, I'm just going to go pretty, pretty simple. So, what are you doing uh, for a really awesome uh, link if you want to watch if you want to learn how to make root beer there's uh, Glenn and friends he has a YouTube and he has a really awesome version of if you want to learn how to make root beer and that'll be linked on our Facebook page for this episode it'll be one of the links I send you watch it he's very knowledgeable but uh, I am going to get into uh the a&w pulled pork sandwich i know that sounds Ooh. right it sounds super weird but um i've had it i don't know if jay's ever had a pulled por- a root beer pulled pork sandwich i
0: don't think i've had root beer i think i've actually had dr pepper
1: okay so that is another variation I think i've had doctor yeah, there's pepper another variation pork. with dr pepper um so real quick pulled pork um so you know pulled pork was established a year after White Castle So 1922 Which is so These years are so Like close to each other It's really Kind of really freaky weird. And this might give away A later question I have for you But uh, It was produced by In a In a, uh, in a restaurant called Leonard's in Memphis um, There are obviously Disputed claims on who made The first pulled pork sandwich But
0: naturally I mean
1: obviously I've looked back and most research says it started here the fold for the first like pulled pork sandwich pulled pork was obviously still a thing pulled pork has been around since barbecue has been around uh they're the bits of pork that were left over yes. this is the first time it was put into a sandwich okay um so i want to preface this by saying i we are going to get into barbecue it's its own beast when it comes into it um and really truly a pulled pork sandwich is based on its uh, barbecue styles so there's Carolina Kansas City Texas and Memphis right and they all have nuances based on the type of meat they use uh, if they are a dry rub or a barbecue sauce and we'll get into all that when we get into barbecue but that is kind of why if you have a pulled pork sandwich that's a Texas style it's gonna be different than a Memphis style or another style the one that we're gonna talk about today the actual a one which one what do you think that one is do you think it's what style do you think it is I may have given it away with the first question
0: I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and assume it's Memphis style. It is, and you know what's, okay. really,
1: what's really funny is Memphis style is specifically See, yeah, pork ribs and barbecue sandwiches. Like that's the Memphis style. There is no really that if you're doing brisket, if you're doing lamb, if you're doing sausages, that really isn't a Memphis style barbecue. That is when you're getting into your Kansas style really? and your Texas style. So question for you.
0: I didn't. I didn't even know there was that much of a difference. There is. It's
1: really interesting. Yeah. Okay. It, you would never have thought. I mean, it really is. They're really like almost cut and dry, and they're regional, obviously. Yeah. But Kansas style. where do you think that got started it's just a funny i i, I never would have, i
0: would I, i'm gonna assume kansas
1: i thought so too but it's not it's kansas city missouri which i was like oh, oh that makes so much more sense so it's missouri which is uh, one of our not one of j and i's favorite sauces that we have is, is a kc barbecue sauce it's amazing standing for kansas city which i never okay. would have i don't know why but that i never would have made that connection. yeah
0: i didn't either
1: right it's so <laughs> funny so let's get into the recipe this is just so you guys know this is a slow cooker or pressure cooker recipe so if you're not a slow cooker person you're not a pressure cooker person i'm sorry um i thought most people are but maybe they're not so
0: if not pressure cooker at least slow cooker. at
1: least slow cooker and i, I mean really pressure truly...
0: cookers are making a comeback with the instapot the instapot which yeah. is just an electric pressure cooker. Yeah, essentially.
1: Mm-hmm. So, and uh, this recipe is specifically called out Instapot, but I know there's other there's other brands mm-hmm. out there, and I know Instapot is a brand. So, Instapot, if you want to sponsor us, we're right here for you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that being said, so this is one of the slow cooker or Instapot recipes, and it's a variation of both. both. You could use a Dutch oven if you really wanted to for, like, your all day. If you're going to be at home and you want to listen and you want to smell that wonderful pork uh, Mm -hmm. go right ahead so it asks uh, it starts off with two pounds of pork tenderloin pork butt or pork shoulder Uh, each have um, a good amount of marbling and fat so they can sit for long time periods of time in slow cooking Uh, make sure that if you're ever going to slow cook or pressure cook you're using a high fat uh, meat because if you don't you'll dry it out it's why generally if you're going to use chicken breast in your slow cooker you need to add a lot of liquid to it otherwise you're going to dry out the meat that makes sense um, half a pound Or a 12 ounce can Of A&W root beer So you can use a can Or a bottle um, It really depends On how tall Your meat Kind of is uh, Because you'll see why When we get a little later Alright And okay. you can use uh, You can use another root beer If you want to I As I said before I prefer A&W It's sweeter I'm a sweet well, barbecue person Our
0: episode today Is A&W Yeah so, so Use A&W
1: Alright people Supplemental messaging A&W Okay <laughs> So, also, you're going to need um, your favorite barbecue sauce. Uh, you, you're going to need it. Uh, and then eight hamburger buns, because this makes roughly eight sandwiches. If you use two okay. pounds of meat, you're going to get about eight sandwiches. A tablespoon of salt, three tablespoons of pepper. Now, if you are a sweet barbecue person, you're going to need uh, two tablespoons of brown sugar. If you're a savory barbecue person, you're going to need two tablespoons of yellow mustard. All right. Now. You take your pork that you decided, the pork meat you're going to have, the two pounds, you put it in your crock pot or you put it in your insta- in your pressure cooker. If you're going to put it in the crock pot, it's just throw it in the crock pot, take your root-, root beer, put it over the top of it. Make sure that your root beer is covering all the meat, that it's not swimming in it, but that it is at least covered. You want to see its head popping out of the top, right? Not a- It doesn't have to be completely covered or completely submerged, but just enough that it's covering it. Uh, if you're using a uh, pressure cooker or an Instapot, you are going to have to sear the meat first. I know that sounds weird, but you set it to the saute mode. Uh, you put the meat in the bottom, and you sear all sides of it, and then you put it in the bottom and start your pressure cooker like you normally would.
0: So in regards to the root beer in it, can you water down the root beer?
1: You can. If you need more root beer to do it, you can water it down with a little bit of liquid. Um, they highly recommend not adding too much water. If okay. you are going to add something to it, use apple cider vinegar. Okay. Or use um, uh, barbecue sauce. Okay. So, and it's it really is up to you. You can also use tomato sauce. There are quite a few barbecue sauces that are tomato based. Yeah. Jay and I are both tomato-based barbecue sauce people. We like our tomato-based ones. There are mustard-based barbecue sauces, obviously. Yeah. If you're more towards the savory side, vinegar and mustard are your best friends when it comes to barbecue sauces. Really, truly. Um. So you place the pork in your uh, pressure cooker or your uh, your uh, slow cooker and you've started it running uh, it's going to cook for about six hours in the um, in the slow cooker which means you have an all-day you can put it in before you go to work and get started at work and come back and it'll be good for you it really uh the length of time really depends on the meat I'm, i can't stress that enough yeah when you get home you should be able to take two forks and be able to shred it most of your basting liquid your root beer that you've put into it is going to get absorbed into that meat
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, which will be pretty i mean it's going to absorb a lot of it yeah right um, you, oh, I totally missed a part. I'm so sorry, guys. You do have to add your salt and pepper, <laughs> the oh. one <laughs> tablespoon of salt and your two, three, and your three teaspoons of pepper to the, um, pre- to the pressure cooker or the, um, Slow cooker before you start. Did before you say
0: three teaspoons of black pepper.
1: It says three teaspoons of That's pepper. A lot. It is. That, but
0: it's not a lot for the normal person. I am not a spice person. <laughs> I don't like spicy food. <laughs> I don't use black pepper, so that seems like a lot to me. But I'm sure it cooks out, and it's not as much. And, and
1: truly, you have to realize you're adding in a butt ton me. of sugar. You're adding in so much sugar from the pot, That's and the ro- so true. Yeah. So okay. you're gonna have a lot of. Yeah. I'm telling sense. you, uh, it's, it's gonna That's it'll up. even out, right? Um, And then you're going to cover and cook for roughly six to seven hours. If you're using um, a pressure cooker, it it says that it's about 60 minutes, um, but really it's when it's fork tender. Uh, It can really depend on what you're doing. And for the pressure cooker, make sure that you are not crowding your meat. If you crowd your meat, it's not going to cook as evenly. Everyone kind of knows that with pressure cookers. That's why I'm a slow cooker person. I'm just not a pressure cooker person, but I mean, some people are. Um, the actual t- length of time can vary, obviously, depending on the, the, the type of unit you're using. Drain, right? So this is another part of it. When you're all said and done with this entire process, you're going to have to drain some of the liquid, but retain that liquid. Put it, drain it into a small saucepan for yourself, all right? Uh, and then you are going to take your meat and put it and after it's been shredded, add some barbecue sauce to it and mix it all up. I highly, highly, highly recommend at this point, if you are tasting your um, your cooking liquid, and it is too sweet or it is too savory. That's when you're gonna add your tablespoon of brown sugar or your tablespoon of mustard. It'll either savory it out or sweeten it out. Um, I use both. To be 100% honest, I use a little brown sugar and a little mustard. It just gives it a little bit of both to your to your dish.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: It's really good. And then you sauté that liquid until it thickens up a bit, and then you can use that as a barbecue sauce as well. Okay. All right. And then you pour it all over the meat, and it's ready. And then you just put it on top of your hamburger buns, and add a pickle to the top of it, and it's delicious. Yes. I eat my pulled pork with a pickle because you have to eat it with a pickle.
0: I eat my pork with a lot of pickles. It is delicious. Right.
1: So um, that is the recipe. I will say uh, this is a variation of a couple recipes. I, I read a bunch of them out there. All recipes, if you, .com is one of the best websites you can ever go to if you are needing recipes for something. This is a variation of their recipe that they do. Um, they don't really add any seasoning to it. It's literally just the root beer and the barbecue sauce. I just don't feel it's enough. I, think I it find needs- a lot
0: of their recipes, while they're good and they carry a lot, they're all very not bland they're, but basic. they're all very basic, basic yeah in terms of and preference.
1: you can judge these up really well so brown sugar and mustard are your best friends when it comes to barbecue sauces tomato paste isn't tomato sauce are really good ones too um so our next um so <laughs> uh if you need to find a recipe or you need to find something please look out look out for it or you, or you guys can think of a recipe that you guys really want us to touch on i would love to discuss some of those too it's really great and right? we
0: will um be in the show notes we'll have a link to this recipe um that a has typed up and we'll also be putting it on probably our facebook um our website and we may our, have, I mean, we'll have, have it we'll Jay have I it will, available yeah. so and usually what'll end up happening is i'll probably end up having
1: it. have made these these recipes at some point so i'll have pictures of it too yeah um and those will be on our instagram um so Ana, um, I really hope you guys enjoyed that one. Um, we're going to bring the next episode we're going to go into is kind of my next episode is kind of the fall of the homemade meal. Uh, I know it's kind of sad to say it that way, but you have to realize that before White Castle, and before a w there was no fast food. So um, this is really when mom got out of the kitchen. She didn't have to cook every night. You could go yeah. and get fast food pretty quickly. Right. Um, so I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Please feel free to send us some ideas for our next episode. I really appreciate it. Next, we're going to get into that true crime with Jay.
0: All right. So, it's my turn now. (laughs) Exciting. Um, I love this
1: part. I just get to sit back and listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, (laughs) um, on our first, on our episode of Firsts, um, I thought I would talk about the first serial killer. And I have in my notes, my title is the first serial killer? Question mark? (laughs) Uh, Because it is, I guess not widely contested, but... It is now in my brain um, that I went down the rabbit hole. Uh, so a couple things just to start off and give you some basic knowledge. So serial killing, uh, technically called serial murder, though I've never heard of it referred to as serial murder. I haven't either. Yeah. Um, the definition of serial killing is the unlawful homicide of at least two people carried out by the same person or person. homicide
1: means?
0: Homicide means like... <laughs> Death okay, tell harder, the, joking, tell the, okay. <laughs> the unlawful homicide of at least two people carried out by the same person or persons in separate events occurring at different times uh the definition is widely accepted but the crime is not formally recognized in any legal code oh that includes the u.s so serial killing is not a
1: crime Oh, but the Each act of murder is its own crime. Individ- which I can appreciate crime. that because you have to look at it individually on how the person was killed. Right. And but it was, it was- That is so interesting. It's though. interesting
0: that you can't be put in jail because you're a serial killer. You're put in jail because you You're put you're in jail someone because someone. you're
1: a murderer. Because you murdered right. someone. Right. Okay. Um, which makes sense, but I guess I never thought of that. Me that's, neither. That's so cool.
0: Uh, serial murder is distinguished from mass murder in which several victims are murdered at the same time and place.
1: Oh. Well then, so a okay. mass
0: murder is not a serial killing, because there's not a different time or different place.
1: But I wonder what the distinction is on mass murder. Like what 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 accounts for mass murder? Like how many people have to die to be considered a mass murder?
0: I believe any more than two. I don't know that. I, That's
1: interesting. Well, because like if you think of like ensign right? Uh, yes. Well, they, didn't they kill like six people in that house? Yes. At the same time. Oh, but I guess it's not at the same time. They killed each one individually. So.
0: I don't think it was six and one. I think it was three.
1: Whatever. Uh, Yes. Still quite a few people. Yes.
0: The term serial murder was popularized in the 1970s by Robert Ressler, um, who was an investigator with the Behavioral Science Unit of the U.S. FBI, the BSU being made famous most recently with uh, the television show Criminal Minds. Um, Oh, I knew that. I'm sorry. Yes, I know you knew that. (laughs) About the behavioral science unit of the FBI. Um, Also, very recently, there was a new Netflix series called Mindhunter, starring the Jonathan Graff, and that series covered the behavioral science unit and the beginning of it as well.
1: BSU? BSU. BSU. Okay. Gotcha.
0: Um, Originally, the FBI defined serial murder by involving at least four events taking place at different locations and separated by a cooling off period. So, oh. if you killed two people, you were not a serial killer. If you killed three people, you were not a serial killer.
1: But that's not what it is now. No. Oh, now okay. it's
0: widely accepted that it's two. Okay. Um, oh, and it was separated two? by a cooling off period.
1: Oh, I didn't realize. Two.
0: Yes. And it's separated off by a cooling off period. It, this state's separated off by a cooling off period. Oh, but sorry, if so it, I murdered someone today and then I murdered another person tomorrow, I'm a serial killer. Not necessarily a cooling oh, off Oh,
1: but if you killed two people at the same time. If I killed two people in the
0: same day it's not or the same time. No.
1: Oh, okay. It, literally, there has to be a space between. It wouldn't between. have been. Oh, correct. because to be like premeditated. They have right. to be. Okay, gotcha. Right. That makes sense.
0: Um. Most definitions now are less time, like I said, uh, according to the FBI website in which there's a book you can download entitled Serial Murder, Multi- Multidisciplinary Perspectives for Investigators. Ooh, checking that one the definition of a serial murder is widely understood to be the unlawful killing of two or more victims by the same offender in separate events. Oh, So it doesn't even necessarily have to be separated by day. But separate if I events. kill you here and then I drive down but, the road and kill somebody else, gotcha. It's now widely understood that. So, that's but if a serial you ran murder. someone
1: over on the sidewalk and hit two people, that's not serial killer because no. they both happened, they both died from the, At okay. the same time, gotcha. right? Makes sense.
0: Um, I noticed that it now doesn't use location as an indicator, as many killers use the same locations to bring their victims before killing them. Um, originally, like I stated earlier, um, it was separate events occurring in separate places.
1: Oh, so um, location can be the same now. You can do it. Oh, so they could have like a murder shack location that they was still taken kill the same out. person correct. over and over. And, over.
0: Um, and according to the National Institute of Justice, serial murder involves at least two different murders that occur over a period of time ranging from hours to years. Oh. So that, so like I said in the beginning, there's many different definitions. No, gotcha. That makes sense. But those are they the all kind most of align. Common. They they kind do of align, a of, yeah, especially now. And then the history of serial killing um, is my next kind of topic. As a fan of true crime, particularly serial killers, and by fan I mean somebody who's truly fascinated by it, I am not a fan of Jeffrey Dahmer going out and eating people. I'm not a fan. Jeffrey Dahmer, eight people? Stop
1: doing that. I want to learn these things.
0: I'm not a fan of...
1: The murderers.
0: Eileen Wernos shooting people. Like, I'm not a fan of that. No, no. I am fascinated by what it is. Um, The psychology, the methodology and such. Um, And doing the research, doing this research has really opened my eyes and taught me a lot of names that I didn't know. And so while you... Specifically, don't know a lot of names. Some of our listeners probably do. At this
1: point, he's speaking directly to me, listeners. Think. I am, um,
0: but also to some of our listeners, maybe people <laughs> who tune in for your recipes. Yeah, are well, now getting into true crime. And I, so and we
1: can always preface this by saying, like, like I told Jay, I they always whenever I listen to true crime podcasts or those that I have kind of listened to, they always reference these these Jeffrey Dahmers and Manson and all these people that are on the side that I don't actually know their stories of. So it's always interesting to, like, start from the beginning. So that's kind of where we kind of want to start. It's from the beginning. Like, we don't know anything. And that's kind of where I'm at. I don't, I literally don't know
0: anything. Right. So this taught me, somebody who's very familiar with your crime, a lot of names. But I also think it will pass, it'll teach people who don't know a lot of names as well. Yeah, fine. Um, and eventually I'm hoping, I'm planning and hoping to cover many of these, I'm about to name in, Particular singular episodes um, is my goal. But uh, historical criminologists suggest that there have been serial killers throughout history. Um, when do you think the first recorded instance of serial killing is? Like just throughout a number. Of serial killing? Serial killing. The first I would instance. say
1: probably around Vlad the Impaler, which I think was like the 1600s, probably. 1600 AD. I think so. I'd have to look back, but I think Vlad the Impaler was. I know he's very like well known, but yep. I don't even know if he would consider that serial killing because he. I mean, he think he was like a king, so he was like a. D- it's still serial killer. Yeah. It doesn't matter who does it. No, I appreciate that serial murderer. I should say. Um, I don't know. I would. I would say probably like the. I don't know. I don't want to go. So- Three
0: hundred and thirty-one BC.
1: Recorded.
0: Recorded. Oh, my God. 331 BC. That's (gasps) before Christ. Um, For those that don't know what BC (laughs) means,
1: it means before Christ.
0: I'm just putting a button on that because I was so surprised. That is very interesting. Um, Doing that research. Um, There's a suggestion uh, that legends such as werewolves and vampires were inspired by medieval serial killers.
1: Oh, that makes sense. Uh,
0: Dracula... Speaking of Vlad, Dracula being one we can think of off the top of our head, as most of us know, he was inspired by the Prince Vlad Tepes, commonly known as Vlad the Impaler. Uh, Though in deep research done by more qualified people, because I am not, my research is very surface. It's Google, it's Wikipedia, it's documentaries. Yeah, neither of us are experts on what we're talking about.
1: Yes, I mean certain oh yeah, one hundred percent. I would say we do I mean, have a we have a basis you, on yes. We have a basic one hundred percent thing. Like I said, I am an anthropologist, so I and I do have a degree in forensic anthropology. So there is a stance right. that I can do on some things. But like I said, I am no expert when it comes to true crime or that side of it. I've I'm well. And I'm out also of my not my an manner.
0: expert in true crime. No. And I'm also not super qualified.
1: But I would say a twenty-year experience, and w- it would really does yes. give you some baseline. But I agree, I'm with you on that. But one, I'm not like on the scene. No, I gotcha. No,
0: um, but uh, through research done by more qualified people, it is loosely based on uh, that uncommonly known as possible inspiration is elizabeth bathroy who was an aristocrat aristocrat from transylvania who allegedly tortured and killed as many as 650 girls and young women Um, i'm gonna get into her in another episode because she's a whole nother thing these are Um, fun yeah so that's kind of the history of serial killing and kind of what we understand and know of right now gotcha um so now what i'm going to do is I'm going to go through a list of some of the earliest serial killings and killers and kind of give you some information about them.
1: And kind of like Jay has said a few times we're we're going to pick a few names out of this like massive list to go in more specifics on episodes that have information on them. I'm assuming right. we don't have so a lot. of So obviously, on this some first one I'm
0: going to tell you about the earliest serial killing does not have a lot of information because it's so early. It's a basic documentation of what happened.
1: Makes sense, yeah. Uh,
0: whereas when I get down my list to some of the more famous names that you'll hear and know, um, there is a lot more information that I can expand upon. Of course. Um, so the er- earliest serial, earliest recorded serial killing, uh, like I told you before, was 331 BC, That's uh, before Christ people. Before Christ. We already covered that. Uh, ref this has been. Re- this is referred to as the ancient Roman poison ring.
1: Why does that sound familiar?
0: I don't know. Um, as a historical forensic anthropologist, I'm actually surprised you don't know about this, this.
1: one. Sounds very familiar. I it did. Might I be. mean, it could be that it came up in one. Of, I mean, I obviously had to take Roman and Greek mythology, so that yes. might have been. But I didn't. Like I said, mine's five hundred years. That's. Probably the closest you're going um, to
0: get It claimed over 90 victims. Oh, oh um, yeah. Several Roman men died in what was believed to be a plague. At the time, these men were dying and it was believed that it was a plague um, until a servant woman revealed that they had been poisoned by a conspiracy of matrons. So several Roman men died in what was believed at the time to be a plague um, until a servant woman revealed that the men had been poisoned by a conspiracy of matrons. Uh, two women were arrested and admitted to preparing the concoctions but claimed that they were medicinal. Now, do we believe them that they claimed that they were medicinal? Probably not. Um, until they drank poison. these concoctions themselves to prove it, at their own suggestion, they said, these are not poisons. They these are, are the medicinal. Hell? We will oh, help no. them. We will drink them to show you that we're not killing these people. Um, they died immediately. Oh my God. So, was it
1: intentional? Do we know? N- no, like we don't know, or no, it wasn't intentional. We don't know for sure. Oh, uh, but
0: 170 matrons were arrested. <gasps> Holy God. Um, in this product or prospect. Um, that's by the way, we have two dogs, and you may hear them from time to time. Griffin so. and Toby, they're sweet, but we'll put pictures um, on our Instagram. You might hear you'll them, you'll see them, they'll be there. Uh, right now, I think they're barking at the mailman. Anyway, uh, according to uh, Livy, who was a Roman historian and lived from between 64 and 59 BC to between 12 and 17 AD, uh, their act was regarded as prodigy and suggested madness rather than felonious intent. Oh, uh, so it was. It was regarded as an accident. So while it's not sure. malicious serial killing, it's still, it's still technically a serial killing because the... it was a large group of people at different times.
1: Well, I mean, and in that time, there were a lot of medicinal things that were poison. So it very much could be that they were misdosing Right. Well. And
0: prodigy being defined in this case as an amazing or unusual, unusual thing, pregnant. especially when out of the ordinary course of nature, not somebody who's super skilled in the prodigy as we know today.
1: Yeah, like, that was really common. That's a really, just so you guys know, that's a really common t- term in history is uh, in history that prodigy actually means like the um the obscure, things that happen. Uh, I don't even know how to word it the right way. It's like once in a lifetime situations are really right. commonly put that way. So, uh, or commonly, especially when you're talking about for this part, probably situation, talking about it in the sense that it... It, this happened one time. It's one accident. out of the ordinary, ordinary course of nature. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so then we're going to move on to our next one. Uh, this one took place between 144 B.C. to 116 B.C. Um, so a length of time. Uh, this was Leo Pung Lee. Uh, he is, from what I could find in my research, the first singular serial killer in world history uh, that we have notes of. So he acted alone. Um, he was the prince of Jidong. Um, according to Saima Kwan's records of the Grand Historian, he was arrogant and cruel. Uh, he would go on marauding expeditions with tens of slaves. They would go about murdering people and seizing their belongings for sheer sport. Uh, his victims alone have been confirmed at over 100 by his hand That does not include the rest of the slaves that were also killing uh, by his hand The victims were confirmed at over a hundred uh, the son of one of his victims accused him to the Emperor and Officials requested that Leo Pung Lee be executed uh, The Emperor could not kill his mef- nephew. So he made him a commoner and banished him uh, So he didn't even spend time in jail But at that point in time, he was royalty, and then got demoted to commoner. So I suppose
1: that was someone probably killed him. I can almost guarantee because once you become a commoner, you lose all your like rights and privileges. Like so, uh, any that the nephew or son, whoever it was, could have killed him in like a duel or something.
0: Right. So that was um, what I found to be the first singular serial killer in world history. Though I guess I don't know if I would consider him singular because he did kill with slaves that he took with him too. But
1: but I can appreciate that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that was kind of his like standout in my opinion. Uh, so then we're going to move on the first woman. Ooh. Uh, 50 BC to 47 BC. Wait, they don't
1: consider the matrons to be the first. Oh, cause it's singular uh, this woman.
0: Is singular woman. Yes. Gotcha.
1: Okay.
0: Um. Her name was Anula of Anadapura. The Amazon fan just pulled up. Uh, her name was Anula of Anadipura. Uh, she was the first woman I could find in world history um, that was a serial killer. Uh, poison was her method of choice. Shocking. Uh, it's very common through these first groups of serial killers that I'm going through. The women in these groups are um, use poison. Oh, it's, gotcha. it's their most common I think that's even. I think they
1: even said that. There's a, there's a few things you hear that poison yeah, was, a that was a, a woman's. Yeah, think that is a popular
0: thing. Uh, she poisoned four of her husbands, oh. uh, each the king of Sri Lanka at the time of their death. Uh, she then poisoned King Kuda Tisa, the son of her fourth husband who inherited the throne. It's believed that he was a child as Kuda means little. Uh, so Kuda was not his first name. Um Kuda was his title, which meant little, um, little Tissa. So uh, that's why they believe it's the son. Not guaranteed, um, but that's what they believe.
1: Pretty solid historical connection.
0: Yes, she then ruled singularly as queen for four months. Oh, she was then deposed by the brother, brother by the brother of Kuda Tissa, uh, Katukana Tissa. And she was found guilty and burned alive on a funeral pyre. Oh. Ooh. Uh, she was burned alive in the palace where she had committed the murders. Oh, okay. A little bit of A uh, funeral
1: pyre? Oh, on her own funeral pyre. Her own, yes. Oh, gotcha. She was basically burned alive at the stake to death. Okay. Well, I don't think they did stakes then. I think funeral pyre well, are no, tied was and laid on it. She yeah. was
0: tied up. I would imagine she was tied to typically they're just well, laid on it. Yeah. But she wasn't already dead, so. Uh, But she was, in fact, burned alive in the palace where she committed her murders. And where she was trying to, like, create and bring her wealth.
1: Did you know that if you are ever going to be burned at a stake, you should request dry wood and not wet wood?
0: Not to sound like a jerk, but that sounds correct. You'd want it to burn faster.
1: Hotter heat, faster, more smoke, you'll inhale it more and you'll die faster. Yes. I want to say I read that in a book somewhere. I don't
0: know that that would be more smoke. Typically, wet wood smokes more because it's not that burning, is true, it's, it's steaming. But, it, but and... it's
1: also slower. Oh,
0: absolutely. No, yeah. dry wood for sure. I think it's dry wood. But I don't think mm-hmm. many people burn people at the stake
1: anymore. I also don't think, in, you, I also don't think you get to request cry. what kind of wood they're going to use. I'm not? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'm just saying, if you, get, if you get the option to request what kind of wood they use when they burn you at a stake, just say, suggest dry yeah. dry wood. So when I was doing my research, I,
0: I typed in first serial killer. Yeah. And um, that's where Leo Pung Lee came in. And then I had found a timeline that had kind of explained a little bit more and brought in the Roman uh, poison ring. Gotcha. Um but when I typed in first woman serial killer, Anula of Anadapura was not the first one that came up. She was the first one in terms of oh, time timeline, frame, but not
1: brought up as a serial But player.
0: not brought up as a serial killer. Yes, yes, okay. Sorry, I was looking at my numbers and I was like, oh wait, no, I totally flipped it, but I did not. Because one's um, A.D. and B.C. Correct. Uh, so, widely considered to be the first woman serial killer, um, the time frame being 54 A.D. to 55 A.D., uh, was Lacusta of Gaul. Uh, she's widely considered to be the first fem- female serial killer, even though I found, like Anadipura. I said, Anula of Anadapura on wikipedia uh that's a weird, wikipedia. that's a very
1: like pretty name
0: anula why is that pretty
1: i don't know but it is the anadapura is also very pretty like it's yes like, just i mean that's a location so nice. but i really enjoyed it
0: it's um but she yeah, so la lacusta served as the poison's expert under press agrippa the younger uh, she was already imprisoned on poisoning charges and Agrippa the Younger ordered her to supply a poison for the murder of her husband, Claudius.
1: Her husband? Yes. She, mur- she so poisoned not, her own not husband. Not
0: La Custa, but Agrippa wanted her husband poisoned by Acusta, who okay. was in jail who already her, for poisoning. Okay,
1: Acusta is in jail. She's the woman. Agrippa, Agrippa is, is the person asking yes. for poison to murder her husband. Correct. Gotcha. Um, who is Agrippa? What? Who was Grippa? Who is she?
0: My note says press, but I believe that is a typo. Princess? Maybe. Let me check my other notes. Ah, there it is. She was an empress.
1: Press. Empress. Empress. That makes a lot more sense.
0: Yes. Empress. Grippa. Agrippa the Younger.
1: I'm just going to call her Grippa.
0: Um. So, ironically, the, um, the poison was sprinkled on a mushroom and given to the emperor by his food taster. Wait. Who was clearly in on it.
1: Oh, clearly.
0: His food taster gave him the mushroom uh, that had the poison on it. But his food taster is also the person who sprinkled the poison on the mushroom oh, well, to give to it to been. him. Or, uh, or maybe he just
1: didn't eat that mushroom.
0: No, uh, my research said it was sprinkled on a mushroom and given to the emperor by a food taster. I guess it could be. But you're saying, like, like you have a bowl of mushrooms and you just take this and, oh, it tastes fine. And it's on
1: one of the mushrooms. You would never know.
0: That's true. Um, Well, the poison provided didn't work.
1: Oh, didn't.
0: He lived. Until the doctor, Gaius Steratinius, murdered Emperor Claudius with a poison feather. It's so it's just really that like Agrippa the younger. are a group the younger really fought to get this guy killed um, in AD 55 Lacosta of Gaul our poisoner was still imprisoned uh, Lacosta was called upon by Agrippa's son oh no uh, the Emperor Nero okay um, to kill his mother no oh Nero needed her to contact concoct a poison to murder claudius's son britannicus <laughs> so uh, claudius went through hell to get murdered yep and now britannicus claudius's son is going to get murdered uh the poison was, was working Britannicus, claudius's son oh so his brother he's murdering his brother essentially yes yeah um The poison was working too slow for Nero's liking, so he flogged her with his own hand and threatened her with immediate execution. (gasps) Lacosta, the poisoner, of course. uh, She supplied a faster poison that did succeed. Uh, Nero then rewarded Lacosta with a full pardon and large country estates where he sent pupils to learn from her craft. That's terrifying. Her Her kill count by poisoning in her lifetime was between five to seven people. Oh. Small.
1: I was expecting more. I not prolific. Lie. No, not prolific, but still but prolific in the sense of historically still a serial killer and still historically prolific. Yes. Prolific.
0: So there are several more serial killers that I want to talk about uh, before we get to the first American serial killer. <laughs> um, actually, I think there's one before we get to the first American serial killer. <gasps> Sorry. Anyway, uh, Jill DeRay. Gilles de Ray was around from 1432 to 1440. Uh, he is accused of 140 up to 600 deaths. I've heard this name before. Uh, he was a leader in the French army. He was a companion in arms of Joan of Arc during the Hundred That's Years' War. What I've heard. Okay. Yes. He was appointed Marshal of France. Uh, he retired from the military and depleted his wealth by staging an extravagant theatrical spectacle of his own composition. So he put on his own show and and wasted all of his money.
1: Sounds like something you and I would do.
0: Nobody paid for it. That's true. We would. He Uh, he was also accused of dabbling in the occult.
1: Well, of course.
0: Everybody is, aren't they? Um, A violent dispute with a clergyman led to an ecclesiastical investigation, which brought crimes of child murders to light. (gasps) Child murders. So the church decided he had committed child murders. They attributed them to Ray. Uh, he was said to have sodomized and then murder or have murdered over
1: a hundred children. I wish, I wish you could see my face right now.
0: Yes, it's quite horrified.
1: <laughs> oh, my
0: God. Yes. At his trial, the parents of missing children and Ray's own accomplices testified against him. Uh, he was condemned to death and hanged at Nantes in October of 1440. Uh, current scholars believe he may actually be
1: innocent of these charges. I was going to say I've I've,
0: and I definitely plan to do a full episode on him Okay. because there is a lot of super interesting information throughout the whole thing and there was just a lot that I couldn't get into
1: well I know that they like Joan of Arc was burned at the stake for being a part of the occult by the church right. so it's right. not surprising at all that someone that was associated with her would also have that same kind of association and they would use something and because he couldn't they couldn't get the occult to stick I could easily see putting other things on him to try and get those to stick
0: right yeah. Um, so now we're gonna to move to the first American serial killer because it's a pair. We're fine. Uh Micaiah and Wiley Harp. Nine or 1797 to 1803. Uh, they are reported 14 victims. Uh, the Harp brothers were highwaymen and river pirates.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: In the United <laughs> States.
1: I I'm sorry. Highwaymen and river pirates. Can river pirates. That? Can I have that like, on my... How does one become a river pirate?
0: Well, you do what you would in the open seas, except on a I river.
1: Do, I, do you have to? Because there are other kinds of pirates out there. Just yes. Throwing it out
0: there. But to be a river pirate, you have to overtake on ships a on a river.
1: I don't think so. I think I could have another kind of... Whatever.
0: They were known as Big and Little Harp.
1: <laughs> are we sure they're not gay?
0: Yes. They often killed people um, for the thrill or minor fights without actual monetary gain. Even babies. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, Big Harp was said to have. um, This is a trigger warning about babies. Oh, God. uh, Bashed his own infant daughter's head against a tree because her crying was annoying him.
1: Once again, I wish you could see. Yeah.
0: (laughs) What? yeah oh god that was sick uh this was the only murder he said to have remorse about so he was remorseful about banging his oh i can't even say it again uh yeah he was remorseful about that
1: well he deserves whatever comes to him uh big
0: harp was shot and beheaded in 1799 by perfect. people who sought vengeance for the murder of a local woman
1: that's that uh, was the perfect ending for that one except if they could have bashed his head against the tree right
0: Uh, Little Harp was arrested when he took fellow outlaw Samuel Mason's head to the authorities to try to collect the bounty put on him. Uh, So he killed and beheaded another outlaw, took it to the sheriff's office even though he was a wanted person. Um, How dumb could you be? (laughs) Little Harp was recognized, tried, and hanged in 1804. Uh, Their savagery has entered American folklore, appearing to have been motivated more by bloodlust than financial gain. So this was kind of one of the first ones. Well, not the first one. Uh, Jill DeRay would, if it's true, would be the first like bloodlust killing.
1: Yeah, with the with the children. But, yes, but we are not sure if that's even associated. But we're not sure that that's true. So uh,
0: this was the first one I could find, and especially uh, this is the first American serial killers, which I had never heard their name before. I
1: hadn't either. This those are never, so and new. this is
0: the first. American serial killer. But you
1: know, what I wonder. Oh, no, but it's more than two. So, like, yeah, it's way more. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. 40 victims
0: reported. Um, all right. So, the first female American serial killer. Da, 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 da. It's not Eileen Wernos. I, um, I saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, now, she's the first modern American serial, female serial what killer. What makes it modern? I no? don't know. But, uh, the first female American serial killer, uh, Lucretia Patricia Patty Hanley Cannon. Uh, How many names does this woman com- have? Commonly known as Patty Cannon. Okay. Uh, she did <laughs> not work alone. Oh, okay. Um, so, she w- was around 1802 to 1829. Uh, she's reported to have four to 400 plus victims.
1: Wait, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Could you not spitball it closer?
0: No. Four, four to, to 400? 400 plus. Um, there's a reason that number is questioned.
1: Okay. Is she going to have her own episode? Uh, I feel like she's probably going
0: to She went by Patty Cannon, uh, and she had a large group, of, or not large group. She had several men who worked with her. Oh. Okay. Um, but they're commonly referred to as Patty Cannon's gang. Oh. Um, is this like, um, no. like the Jets? And the no, stars. not the Jets and the Sharks. Not the Sharks. Um, she was an illegal saved slave trader and co-leader of the Cannon Johnson Gang of Maryland, Delaware.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Um, the reason I think the number, we don't have a specific hold on it, is because she kidnapped slaves and free blacks in the oh. Delmarva Peninsula. She sold them to slavers in the south. Uh, and cannon was reportedly aroused by the sight of black men being beaten into submission.
1: That's so uncomfortable Yeah, that makes me so uncomfortable. Uh,
0: so that's why I think the number is because you wildly wouldn't. different because yeah. unfortunately at that time there were so many undocumented deaths
1: Of immigrants across
0: the yeah. board not even necessarily immigrants, but across the board, but especially of immigrants and, and slaves, slaves so. as well um, Cannon was indicted in De- Delaware for four murders after the remains of four black people, three children, and one adult oh were God. found on property she owned. Uh, she confessed She confessed to nearly two dozen murders and died in prison while awaiting trial. Um, sources have said that she committed suicide by poison.
1: You stupid bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: And there's the letter E on our episode.
1: Sorry. I'm so annoyed by that. You can't you murder 400 plus people and you yep, can't and stand you, trial. Nope. No, bitch. You deserve place, you deserve it. I'm sorry. You can't handle that. All
0: right. Stupid so bitch. our next um, group and we are still in America actually. I think we're going to continue in America for quite a while. No, I think we're, we're American the... Nope, not American the rest of the way through. We're, there's a solid chunk of american killers
1: so well i mean we're in the u.s so obviously right. like i said a lot of my research is skewed to the u.s just because we're in the u.s so. right
0: um so uh, the the title on this section i have is scientific killers Ooh. uh so this is william burke and william hare um of 1828 uh they had 16 victims uh hare emigrated to scotland from ireland this is not united states this is in scotland i'm sorry. I didn't have the location specifically noted. You can disregard my
1: preface to this section. Thanks.
0: (laughs) He became a keeper of lodging house in Edinburgh. Edinburgh. I had to look up this pronunciation because I don't want to screw it up. Edinburgh. And I still screwed it up. It's okay. Uh, Burke, also Irish-born, arrived at the lodging house in 1827. On November 29th, an old pensioner died in the house. Uh, Hare was angry that the deceased still owed four pounds in rent Um, just because I could. I did some conversions and that would have been three hundred and eighty nine pounds in today's currency, uh, which is about five hundred and twenty seven dollars in American.
1: OK, I mean, that's not a small that's Um, not a small sum, not a
0: small amount, but I don't know. uh, I mean, angry. Yes. But uh, what followed? I don't know if is is.
1: Okay. Well comparable to going. that,
0: uh, they then devised a plan to steal the corpse from its coffin to sell. Um, <laughs> yeah. With Burke's aid, the pair sold the corpse to a surgeon for seven pounds and ten shillings, today's equivalent of six, 681 pounds in terms of the pounds, 33 pounds in terms of the shilling, uh, which is about $967. Oh, so they made a profit. In U.S. currency. Gotcha. Uh, so quite a profit. Uh, Actually, I literally had that note. Quite a prophet. Uh, This prophet led the two men, assisted by their common-law wives, to entice at least 15 unknown travelers into the world. I love that they had to
1: preface this by their common-law wives. They're not actually married.
0: Right. Uh, uh, Then They then intoxicated them and smothered them. Oh, my God. The smother was in order to leave no trace of violence. Yep, of course. Uh, They then sold the corpses to Knox's school of anatomy. They were exposed when neighbors and police discovered their murder of a local girl on... Guess which night? I don't want to guess. October 31st,
1: 1828. Halloween? Halloween. Spooky.
0: <gasps> Just Though I don't know that Halloween was traditionally... Well, no, on, this would have been in S- Scotland, so... Do cel- I don't know if
1: they celebrate Halloween. Uh,
0: they don't call it Halloween. I think it's Samhain. Oh, okay. Oh, commonly best pronounced as Sam Samhain, which I learned recently from an episode of Morbid.
1: Hmm, morbid? Just to yes. you know. Shout out to you ladies. Love you. I love you.
0: Um, but uh, they were um, discovered on October thirty first. So they were discovered, or when they did it? They were discovered. They were exposed mm-hmm. when neighbors and police discovered the murder of a local girl.
1: That's so sad.
0: Yes. Um. So then we get into another American woman.
1: Oh, fun. Okay. Poison.
0: Uh. No. Oh,
1: this would be fun. Keep going. No.
0: Uh, this one's one of the more fascinating ones to me. Uh, Madame Delphine Lalaurie. <gasps>
1: I've heard of this one. Ah, yes, you this have. this one I have heard. If
0: you've seen um, uh, American Horror, Horror Story, story she's you know the, her story. She's the basis for uh, 1831 to 1834, she uh, reportedly had two to four victims. Uh, she was in New Orleans. She was a New Orleans Creole socialite. Uh, she tortured and maimed, maimed slaves for the joy of it. Uh, But she
1: didn't kill a lot of them. I know a lot of them were just—they were a lot of mutilation. Like she was. Yes, it was
0: highly in terms of the torture and mutilation. Uh, In April of 1834, rescuers responded to a fire at the mansion. Uh, That fire was allegedly set by a slave that was chained to the stove in the kitchen uh, to expose what was happening at the mansion. Uh, While fighting the fire, discoveries were made of seven chained and horrifically mutilated slaves, uh, two of which died of their injuries shortly after. Uh, three buried skeletons were later later discovered on the property. Uh, according to witnesses, one of those uh, skeletons had died in an, a true accident. Uh, Lollary fled to France after the discoveries, and she was never prosecuted. She died of natural causes between eighteen forty-two and
1: eighteen forty-nine. Yeah, I learned. I actually read about so her. So no justice. Yeah, I mean, once again, stupid bitch.
0: Mm. <clears throat> um. Next up, we have another female
1: this is fun poison
0: yes yay Uh, but we have another female Um, you'll notice I'm not skipping uh, I'm not skipping uh, any killers in the timeline that I could find so we have two women in a row even though commonly it's uh, not the first female serial killer Um, all right so we've got a killer nurse uh, 1885 to 1901 she has 31 known victims her name is Jane Toppin um, I'm pretty sure I saw an episode or at least a segment on her on uh, deadly women on ID
1: and I believe um, there's a podcast um, the last podcast on the left that did a really intense episode on her for this one and there was did morbid do one too I think morbid does one maybe I'm not
0: totally sure yeah. Uh, She carried the nickname Jolly Jane, which she got from her nursing schoolmates with whom she was a bright and jovial person. Uh, So that was not an ironic nickname. That was her her true nickname. Uh, During her nursing residency, she used her patients as guinea pigs in experiments with morphine and atrophine. Uh, She would alter their described dosages to see what it did to the patient's nervous system. And she spent considerable time alone with the patients, making up fake charts and medicating them to drift in and out of consciousness and even getting into bed to lay with them to watch them die. Uh, She was working at Massachusetts General Hospital in 1889 and she claimed several more victims before being fired. She returned to Cambridge but was soon dismissed for administering opiates recklessly uh, which then she began a career as a private nurse. Wouldn't you like to have her as a private nurse?
1: Um, If she's going to lay with me at night um no.
0: Okay. Oh, it's the poisoning's fine. It's the laying with it's you at the night. It's the laying
1: with me part that I'm not 100% mm, certain of. I okay. mean, if she's real gentle, maybe. I don't know. You let me know.
0: Okay. okay. Uh, she started her poisoning spree in earnest in 1895 by killing her, her landlord and his wife. Uh, she then killed her foster sister, Elizabeth. Uh, she then moved in with an elderly Alden Davis after the death of his wife, whom Topin had murdered. So she murdered his wife and then moved in with him.
1: And then murdered him.
0: Within weeks, she murdered Davis, his sister, and two of his daughters. Yep.
1: And I did remember this one. This one is uh, Medical Murderers, which is another podcast that I've listened to. And oh. theirs was really good. This is one of the few ones I that I actually... listened to that one.
0: Uh, surviving members of the Davis family ordered a toxicology exam on the youngest daughter, Minnie. Uh, the report found that she had been poisoned. Toppin was arrested for a murder in 1901, and she confessed to 31 murders. Toppin insisted on her own sanity, claiming in court that she could not be insane if she knew what she was doing and what she was doing was wrong. That makes I mean, sense. Like a good
1: killer, she that fesses up just, to. She fesses
0: up. Uh, she was found not guilty by reason of insanity and committed for life in the Taunton Insane Hospital.
1: But you know what's really funny? about not, I guess, not funny. But I can, I can obviously understand this. A lot of people didn't want to go to the insane asylums not at that time because they were so horrific. I mean, and if that's she was a nurse, true. she probably knew what was going on in those those asylums. Yeah, that's true. Um,
0: next up, we have one of the more famous killers. Uh, we have the Murder Castle, H.H. H. H. Holmes, um, yep. uh, commonly referred to as one of the first American serial killers. Uh, 1886 to 1894. Uh, I noticed 1886 was when he started. Jane Toppin started in 1885, only one year before that. Oh yeah. Um, and then Madame is 1831. So, um, 1886 to 1894. Uh, he was born as Herman M- Webster Mudgett. Uh, he is notorious for designing and building a murder castle with all sorts of trap doors, gas chambers, hidden rooms, boarded-up hallways, and the like. Um, he was said to have tortured, killed, dissected, and incinerate the bodies of people who had come to visit the nineteen, uh, sorry, the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition in Chicago. Uh, While he confessed to 27 murders, police estimated 230 victims in Chicago alone after examining the castle, according to claims. He was only convicted and sentenced to death for one murder, uh, that of his accomplice and business partner, Benjamin Pitzel. Um, I am like... Super skimming over this because mm-hmm. I also want to do a full-length episode on him, him. Um, He was hanged in 1896.
1: Oh, I didn't realize he was actually he was actually hanged. Yes I knew that he, he got was. convicted. I know everything happened But for some reason I was thinking at that point it would have been like yeah. electric chair or something Mm-mm. I mean, hanged well, that's
0: in a, well, it's 1896 mm-hmm. it's that's still interesting. 1800s uh, Interesting fact the hotel may never have actually been
1: it I may a, never
0: have, have actually existed Yeah,
1: I've heard that a few times
0: uh, While a killer, there are only about nine people That he could be linked to with killing uh, He confessed to seven, 27 at one point Like I said, but several of them were still alive Yeah um, And could be found uh, The inflated numbers started, likely started with a pulp book Published in 1940 called Gem of the Pirate by Herbert Ash, Asbury uh, It had a throwaway line That some people suggested It may have been as many as 200 people uh, nobody had actually suggested that. Uh, but thereafter, everybody else who retold the story threw in the same line until people started deciding that that was the real estimate or a real possibility. Yeah,
1: which is so weird. It's uh, such an interesting...
0: There is also actually no evidence that Holm trapped anyone inside his hotel to kill them. The nine people he killed were all people he already knew, and he killed them in insurance scams.
1: Because one wasn't one his what, his... Well, because he was married. His, his business partner that he
0: got... Uh, in trouble for. In trouble for was... The um, one that actually... Fraud. Was uh, insurance scam. Yeah. He killed him and claimed his insurance and married his wife.
1: That's right. Yeah, that was he, that one. He
0: took on the wife and two of the children moved across country away from the wife and one child that he left with her. And Yeah, it's a whole thing that I'll get into yeah, in, it's a, whole in a full get episode. It. But yes. Um The building he owned wasn't a hotel. No, it Uh, wasn't. Never was. Uh, The first floor was made up of storefronts. Yeah. Uh, The second floor had long-term rental apartments. Uh, He added a third floor to his building in 1892 and said it was going to be a hotel space. Uh, It was never furnished or finished or open to the public. The whole hotel was just a vehicle to swindle supporters, investors, and insurance insurers. So while he was in fact a serial killer. That's not disputed. He was a serial killer. He was not the crazed maniac many know and believe him to be, but in fact, just an insurance scammer.
1: Yeah. Which um, is, I'm going to say, that's that, when you hit that time period, there's a lot of people that were... Not a lot, but there's quite a few. I have.
0: And, and I have to give credit to um, that one again, uh, to Morbid, because I listened to their really yep. good coverage of H.H. H. Holmes. And I listened to the whole thing, and I thought it was great, and then I got to the end of the episode where they said, actually... None of it's true I was mind blown I did not know that I hadn't
1: heard that Until about a month ago So that was a huge thing for me um, And for those of you That don't know A.J. Holmes um, I mean he obviously Is a very prolific Serial killer For the Chicago area That he was the one That everyone knows about Right Chicago? I'm not crazy Yes Yeah he's the one Chicago. Gets, yeah.
0: yeah he's notable In Chicago Yeah. Um, and then of course We have The infamous ripper Jack the Ripper. Um,
1: Which is so funny because I, whenever I hear Jack the Ripper, I always thought he was way early, like 1800s. So H.H. H. Holmes was
0: 1886 and Jack the Ripper was 1888. So interesting. Yes. So Jack the Ripper was 1888 to 1891, question mark. Uh, he had five to 11 victims. Uh, he. Uh, is an unidentified an unidentified serial killer active in and around the Whitechapel district. He was also called the Whitechapel Murderer and Leather Apron, which I didn't know either of those. Um, attacked associated with Jack the Ripper typically involved female sex workers who lived and worked in the slums of East End London. Uh, throats were cut before abdominal mutilations. The removal of organs from at least three victims led to proposals that the killer had some sort of anatomical or surgical knowledge. Uh, Numerous letters came to Scotland Yard from individuals purporting to be the murderer. Uh, Media played a huge part in the notoriety of Jack the Ripper. Uh, Jack the Ripper was not the first serial killer as we've covered. Um, His case was the first to create a worldwide media frenzy. And that's why there's so much information. Gotcha. The Elementary Education Act of 1880 made school attendance compulsory regardless of class. So with that, more working class people in England and Wales were literate. Uh, Tax reforms in the 1850s had enabled the publication of inexpensive newspapers with a wider circulation that mushroomed in the latter to include mass circulation. Um, Therefore, more people were reading more people had newspapers so more people knew about what it was going which is what made him the so more prolific famous serial killer um, these made R- the ripper the beneficiary of previously unparalleled publicity uh, many articles printed at the time were sensationalistic and speculative and false information was regularly printed as fact Um Jack the Ripper was the catalyst to springboard names for serial killers and became standard media practice. Examples being the Axe Band of New Orleans, the Boston Strangler, and the Beltway Sniper. Obviously, we can think of many, many serial killers that have those like names, media tag names. Um, BDK. and right, and his case is unsolved to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a bit of speculation that H. H. Holmes and Jack were the Ripper same. were in fact the same person, but that has undeniably been, been proven disbanding. untrue. Um, well, because
1: didn't they do a genome? Something they, like
0: they ended up uh, doing a DNA test. They exhumed so it, yeah. uh, H. H. Holmes and did a DNA test, and, and they don't match. They yeah. do not match. Ironically, H. H. Holmes, when he was buried, he was buried in concrete. Um, he requested that his body be put into concrete. Uh, when he's buried to prevent grave robbing, grave robbing. Um, even though he was somebody who robbed people of their lives. Which is so <laughs> interesting. Um, but yeah, so that's serial killers. I didn't want to go any higher than the 17th century because once we get in the 19th century, that's those, like I explained with Jack the Ripper, those are super well known. Well, they're they're publicized. more publicized yeah. because publicity and so forth. So yeah, that's some of the first serial killers that are documented in the world. So interesting. I hope you've learned something today. I did. Oh good. I did. I good. I hope everyone though I will say some learned. of my more shocking revelations you did not seem surprised by. Oh really? Yes. Like what? Um like the fact that H.H. H. Holmes was not actually like the likelihood of that H.H. Holmes killings were well, a thing. We're not a thing. That's
1: unfortunate because I read The Devil in the White City and then did some stuff on it. And I think for some reason, if I remember correctly, you and I listened to the H.H. H. Holmes Morbid episode together. Because I vividly remember like going through the whole thing and then going, and it's completely not true. For some reason, I don't remember.
0: Maybe I was listening to it while watching the dishes.
1: Oh, could very well be. Because
0: we have not listened to Morbid together. Oh, that's true. We have not. Um, but yeah, so that one... Kind of surprised me that it didn't surprise you.
1: I think I genuinely think it's because I may have overheard it. I I do genuinely think that's actually happened. I will want to do I do want to preface this a bit more just because this is our podcast and so forth. A lot of our evidence we said we either got from uh, Wikipedia or from our website. So we've classified off. There also are a few podcasts. We do want to throw some. Um, some much-needed love towards. One is um, obviously Morbid, which Jay had referenced a few times. Uh, they're wonderful ladies. If you haven't had a chance to listen to them, I can almost guarantee if you're listening to us, you've listened to them. Um, the other one would be medical, uh, The Medical Murderers, which was another podcast that I listened to a bit there. Uh, specifically, the Jolly Jane episode is a great episode if you get a chance to listen to it. She's a, That was a really good one to listen to. And then um, the last, last podcast on the left, um, they obviously have a really good... Uh, good episodes they've been around forever so if you listen to them they're pretty popular there too yeah so so there's that i think we've covered everything we That's want to say fair. thank you all so... for listening to us um like we said follow us or don't follow us rate and <laughs> rate and subscribe to us on itunes stitcher or anywhere else that you get your podcasts we would love to see you um you can also message us at uh, recipe and id uh, at gmail.com We will be, we'll be uh, Following our emails as we get them Next episode for me is going to be Touching base on White Castle Which is my big one there um, I'm not sure if Jay's picked out his next episode I was gonna say yet. My
0: next episode is I don't know yet
1: <laughs> So uh, but I will say I'm going to touch base on White Castle a little bit there And I really really hope to uh, Give you guys some actual like authentic Recipes I do have a recipe with White Castle That I want to give out to you guys that I think you guys Would enjoy So thank you guys for tuning in. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at recipe and ID. So that is the at sign recipe and id. You can also find all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, or any other podcast platform that you use. You can also visit our website, www.recipeandid.com, where you'll find all of our
0: episodes and recipes featured in the show. There's also contact information if you'd like to reach out and suggest
1: a topic. So, keep your bellies full.
0: And don't be a criminal.